It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Great to have you in on a Tuesday. On Twitter, at James Erpine, at Locked On Bengals. Subscribe, iTunes, the iHeartRadio app. A lot to get to. It's our weekly Bengals film review with Joe Goodberry coming up in just a second. Just a, a couple quick things. LockedOnBengals.com right now. We have a ton up there. I'll be posting more. I did a, I'll say great, no, an hour show today on ESPN 1530 in Cincinnati called Cincy 360. Mo Egger and I discussed Marvin Lewis, his decision making. We react to his comments about Joe Mixon and more. So make sure you check that out. By the time you hear this, that will be on LockedOnBengals.com. We do this every single week on Locked on Bengals. It's our weekly Bengals film review with Joe Goodberry. He takes a look at the film. And by the way, right now, him and Jake Lisko have a video film review up at LockedOnBengals.com. So make sure you check that out if you're you're wanting to see the plays in, in, in a, a more comprehensive breakdown than, than Joe and I do here on the podcast. And make sure you follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time. There's a, a lot to dive into. And I want to get into the defense because I think that's a, a the shock of the week. But let's start with the offense. Let's start with what everybody's talking about, Joe Mixon. Let's start with the good. How good was Joe Mixon on Sunday? He was very good. I think it was his his potential breakout game. I mean, not only from even, even in his 10 touches, I think it, it, it definitely was. But I, I believe this was his coming out party. It just... We got denied of it by coaching decisions and and failure to stay with him uh, through the whole game. Uh, I thought he he saw it well. I thought the line blocked decently for the most part, and when they didn't, he made someone miss and, and broke off a couple of decent runs. Uh, he looked like Joe Mixon. I, I think it's he's still the same guy. He's still on the verge of really becoming a every down every play type of guy where you can just lean on him consistently. Uh, I think he is that guy. They just haven't done it yet. So um, it was definitely his best game, and, and, and it's a shame the the team didn't stay with him. Yeah, and, and that's what I – say what you want about the offensive line. Say what you want uh, about the, the defense struggling, which we'll get into in a bit, especially in the first half. But to me, like, Joe got it rolling in a game where you weren't sure you were going to be able to run the ball at all. And he averages 6.9 a carry going into halftime. 
what was the difference when when you were watching the film? The difference on the offense that put up fourteen points in the first half, and in the second half, Mixon doesn't get a carry. They don't. They, they turn the ball over multiple times. Offense only has nineteen total yards, one first down. Was that the difference? Was it strictly not getting Mixon involved, not getting that run game going, and that's what slowed the the offense down in the second half? I go back to the Packers game, and Tony Romo also commentated on that game. And after that first, you know, two quarters, really, uh, he says the Bengals have a post-script problem. After their first scripted 15 plays or so, uh, the offense – doesn't really have a rhyme, a reason, a flow to it. They really aren't scheming guys open after that. And I think we've continued to see that. And I think we definitely saw that versus the Steelers. They they had a good game plan. What they saw in film versus the Steelers' zone, uh, what they where they needed to execute, where they needed to exploit it, they did. And those first three drives, um, totaling 14 points, I thought Andy Dalton looked sharp. I thought the run game was going. I thought A.J. Green potentially was going to have a big game. After that, uh, I don't know if the Steelers changed things up. It didn't really look like it. They are who they are. They're going to play the same defense they always do. The Bengals just didn't have a way to get guys open. They didn't have a way to scheme guys open anymore. Uh, and then, you know, if, if you're not going to scheme guys open, let's say, you need your most talented players to get the ball and touch the ball and just win based off talent. Um, right now on this offense, the only two really superstar talent guys are Joe Mixon and AJ Green. And then you go into <laughs> you go into where we're talking about where where the offense really falls off. Those guys don't actually see the ball for the rest of the game. I know Green got two targets, uh, but they didn't actually have the ball in their hands for the rest of the game. If I told you that, how many points would I, would you say they, they'd score? I, it won't be a touchdown. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't expect that at all. So um, it's it, it's. It's very frustrating to look at it in hindsight and say, yeah, of course they didn't score. Of course they couldn't move the ball. They couldn't find a way to get the ball into their best player's hands. And uh, I just think they, they're still far away on offense here. And I know the offensive line's bad. I know they need more weapons. I know Andy Dalton is limited. But it's simple to get the ball to your best players. It has to be simple. It should be simple. And they're making it extremely hard. And it kills me. Like, Going into to that second half, it, whatever game plan they did during the second half, they need to scrap it, right? They need to get rid of it, and it should be the AJ and Joe show with Geo sprinkled in until John Ross is 100% and can contribute. I mean, it, it's that simple to me when you watch the film. Anybody else standing out to you? No. <laughs> no one at all. They're all complementary role supplementary players. And when I, I saw Bill Lazor's comment um, on Monday where he goes, well, I always have two to five guys <laughs> screaming at me saying they need the ball. No. Bill, what? These, these guys can't complain about getting the ball. You have two guys that can complain about getting the ball, and that's Mixon and, and Green. And maybe Gio, because Gio has been one of their best players throughout his career. I mean, even though he may be a role player, he's a very good role player. Agreed. You need to find ways to get him the ball. As frustrating as it is to not see Mixon get the ball, Maxi Green, I'm looking at Gio, and he's only seen the ball three or four times a game since Lazer's been in, and that has to change too because I think he can help and he can make plays. Um, So in a lot of ways, I don't, I don't, I don't take that at all. When Bill Lazer says, oh, I got to worry about the rest of these guys, you got to worry about Brandon LaFell, you got to worry about Alex Erickson, Tyler Croft, Jeremy Hill. Really? Come on. He's Joe Goodberry on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. This is the Locked on Bengals podcast. Joe did a in-depth, comprehensive 
film review. You can watch it on the LockedOnBengals.com review of the, the Bengals-Steelers game if you want to put yourself through it. Uh, but really good insight from him and J- Jake Lisko. But, J- Joe, let's, let's flip sides of the ball because I thought that Pittsburgh set the tone early and often with what it did to the Bengals' front seven because I think the Bengals' defensive line, those linebackers, that's their best position groups. Uh, if you look at it from, from top to bottom, at least it has been through six weeks or was through six weeks. Going into Pittsburgh, I thought the first of 20 would win. Clearly, Pittsburgh dominated up front, scored more than that. What, what did you see early, especially, from that Bengals defense? They neutralized the front seven, and and I would agree with you. I do think the I, I think the whole unit is good on defense. But yeah. you're right, the front the front four, depending on who's out there, and their linebacker unit can be very good, and it is very good. Um, when you neutralize it, they took them out of the game. They didn't get a sack uh, against Ben Roethlisberger, and Roethlisberger's been sacked. Um, they took the linebackers out. They did a lot of stuff to put a fullback right on Vontez Perfect and maybe he got his head mentally out of it because Perfect started guessing and trying to avoid the fullback a little bit. Um, Minter's loss, I think, did affect them. I think once Vinny Ray got in there and Vincent Ray hasn't played a lot at all since Perfect returned, uh, it showed, and it showed in a big way. Uh, I thought he, he lost containment and, and on a few times. I thought he, he, he was out of his gap assignment a couple times. I thought, obviously, a big missed tackle on, um, on Le'Veon Bell on, on the biggest highlight of the game probably where Bell scurries for 40-something yards and stiff arms Drake Kirkpatrick, but I think that play should have gone for six and been tackled right away had Vincent Ray been uh, a better player. Um, so they did a lot. I mean, the Steelers know what they're doing. They are who they are on offense. They're going to run power. They're going to pull guards. They're going to have some misdirection stuff. They're going to put you in your nickel defense, and they're going to run on it, and then they're going to make you come in your base defense and make you guard two tight ends. And they did that, and that's exactly where the Bengals are weak in both areas. So uh, it's a bad matchup. If, if you want to look at any positive, I think the secondary did well for the most part. Uh, yeah, early, Brown got got that touchdown. I, I, I think, you know, that was more of a scheme thing. Um, and then but William Jackson was fantastic. Honestly, fantastic. I think that was a glimpse of his upside and who he can be every week, hopefully. Um, Drake Kirkpatrick was up and down, made a nice play in the fourth quarter, but had a terrible holding call or pass interference, I should say, right at the end of before the half. Um, that's who we are with Drake Kirkpatrick, I think. The rotation at safety has yielded mixed results. I think Josh Shaw was unaggressive on a few plays, and, and it cost them. Uh, but I also think George Iloka has been a little bit slow in, in his deep safety role, and I think that's why they gave up the touchdown to Brown. And I also think that's going back to the Bills game, why they gave up a touchdown to Brandon Tate. So uh, I wonder if that's why we're seeing a bit of a rotation there. So I think the defense has issues, but I, I still think they're a good unit. I still think overall the pass defense is very good. I just wonder about nose tackle and up the middle right now, especially if Vincent Ray has to play an extended period for Kevin Minter. Yeah, Joe, you mentioned William Jackson. I thought he was the best player on the defense. And and I I just I look at him and he didn't even start, which I I thought was interesting. It was Darquez Denard and Drake Kirkpatrick. But to me, William Jackson can be the guy where you you put him on an island against and maybe eventually, maybe it's his potential. But I saw him go toe to toe with Antonio Brown, run stride for stride with him deep, stayed with him short. He, I think he had three passes defensed. Like, William Jackson might be that lockdown corner that you drafted him to be. I know Dre certainly isn't that, even though they spent a first-round pick on him. Darquez Denard better this season, but he's not that. I think they might have hit the hit a home run with William Jackson. Yeah, and I think I said it to you and when they drafted him. Uh, you know, I, I 
they've spent a lot of resources on corner, um, you know, in the last five, six years. I think Jackson is the best prospect they've drafted. I, I mean, I, and it's, and that's not hindsight. I think a lot of people felt that way when they drafted him. It was a luxury pick, but he was so good that it was one of those ones where, like, man, I'm tired of taking the corner. I'm tired of taking luxury picks that won't play the first year, but, man, this is a good prospect. And I think we're seeing it now. And it's frustrating because they had an opportunity opportunity to not extend Drake Kirkpatrick, and we discussed it at the time. And they had an opportunity to walk away from Pac-Man Jones and maybe save some cap space or some money to use uh, on the offensive line, I hate to rehash this again, but uh, here we are. Um, and, and, the, and we'll go in with William Jackson, knowing what he is or what he could be, and here he is exactly what I think we expected. Um, and, yes, it doesn't always work out that way, but, again, I think he, for a lot of other players that they give free passes to and keep starting, Jeremy Hill, Russell Bodine, Cedric Aboye, Jake Fisher even, you, you got a completely different guy who's earning his reps, who's, who's playing very well, who's, Looked very well, very good every time he's on the field. I think William Jackson deserves to be a starter on this defense. And uh, he played 86% of the snaps. He started three corners. So um, whether or not he was out there on the first play or not, I don't really care. He was out there a lot, and he did his job, and he looked very good doing it. It's our weekly Bengals film review with Joe Goodberry. Joe's on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, one thing I I noticed, and and we kind of discussed it when we talked about the offense, was just – not getting the ball, not having a, a lot of guys outside of AJ Green and Joe Mixon, not having any game changers. I'm on the John Ross train. It's very clear here in Cincinnati. People are making fun of me now with with how much I've backed that guy. But I, I think even with the line issues, and we saw some line issues at the end of the game, even though I I, I think the line was okay on Sunday. This team could use a a healthy John Ross opposite AJ Green. He could have an impact if they use him right. I don't know if they will. They can't even use Joe Mixon right. But if they use him right. There's, a, there's room for John Ross to make an impact, right? Yes, 100%. There would be no other player that would make a bigger impact to this offense right now than a John Ross, and that's why they drafted him where they did. Uh, this isn't. It's not because the offensive line is so bad. It, it's because there are no other weapons. When you watch the All-22 coaches film, it is insane how slanted the coverage is to A.J. Green. It is hard to get the ball to him right now. He's a superstar, and they, they need to find ways. But it's... Comparing how hard it is to get it to Green to how hard it is to get to Mixon right now is really no comparison because you can get the ball to Mixon. It is hard to throw to Green unless you're going to tell Dalton you got to force it on some of these plays here, uh, and he will. But Ross has the potential to shift that coverage, break that coverage, tell him to, to at least play it honestly and play it 50-50. It'll help open up the run game too. Um, we talk about the offensive line being bad, and they are. People over the last three weeks, though, said, hey, is the offensive line playing better? That was a comment or a question I got a lot. Is the offensive line better? Or do they look better? What do you see? And I'd say, no, they're still getting beat. The ball's out before, before they can affect the play because guys are schemed open because Dalton is reading correctly pre-snap, post-snap. But even when the all-line was good in the last five years, um, they didn't have to pass protect on every pass play because the ball would be out so quickly. They could guard the inside, have a short set, a short set, and and block their guy. Um, that's who the that's who the Bengals offense is. That's what they want to do. It, you can mitigate the offensive line right now, and they're a bad unit. They're going to show up as a bad run blocking team more than anything because you can't hide that. But as a, as a pass blocking team, if if you have somebody open, if you can get the coverage to back off. 
you can get rid of the ball quickly and, and and you can hide your offensive line. And I think that's where John Ross comes in and that's where he can make a huge impact on this offense. Joe, I, I just have to ask you before I let you go. And I know you mentioned it's the front seven, um, but, but a game like this with Vontez perfect, knowing that he can be, he's a game wrecker. I mean, he can just change everything. I, I know that they got dominated up front and that affects the linebacker play. But was this one of... Vontez Burfick's worst games of the year? It was. Um, normally, uh, even if he's having an up-and-down game, you'll get the intensity, you'll get the energy, the other guys will feed off of it. Uh, they were pretty lifeless through the whole game, I thought, on offense and defense. Uh, there just never was an opportunity for them to... Maybe it's because they never really had the lead, they never really pulled out in front, they never really had a, a, a big hit on defense or anything to really, you know, no sacks, not getting your hands on the ball nothing to really start a spark, but Burfitt usually provides that, even without those plays. Um, and then he started guessing a little bit, and, and sometimes when you – and he's done this before against the Steelers. It was David DeCastro before. Sometimes it'll be another guy. They'll take a shot at him early and hopefully get him out of the game. Where I've seen plays where he won't even flow with the ball. He's looking at getting revenge on that fullback or on that guard that's pulling, um, and he'll do that. And and he's a tone setter, and he's a physical player, and he's a little dirty at times. But um, and you 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 work with that because he makes your defense better. But at the same time, when he's playing poor or isn't adding extra to the defense, you can definitely see it. And I thought that was definitely the case on Sunday. Joe, one last question for you before I let you go. You at least I know you saw Marvin Lewis's comments about not getting Joe Mixon the ball. He's unsure if his role will expand or could expand. He already leads the team and carries what was pretty much his his thought process or his logic yesterday on Bengals line. What's your reaction? I, I talked about it for an hour today on Cincy 360, and it was just crazy to me. It boggled my mind. But but I just wanted to get your reaction to that. I know you talked about it on Twitter some, but uh, what are your thoughts on Marvin's comments? My reaction is, you have to be kidding me, Marvin. Uh, Just looking at Mixon's stats, looking at his usage and projecting it forward, look at all the other rookie running backs in the league. Um, You want to, he's our leading rusher, right? So he should be happy with his role. Uh, Those carries are given to Hill, maybe four or five, six carries a game. They're useless at this point. Those could go to Mixon. Um, The, the lack of passing game opportunities so far, Mixon has 14 targets on the year. And he's caught all 14. He's on pace for 37 targets this year in the receiving game. And this is one of the best receiving backs I've ever watched coming out of college. I thought him and Christian McCaffrey could run routes like a receiver. Christian McCaffrey's on pace for 135 targets for the Panthers. Um, <laughs> Alvin Kamara on pace for over 80. Leonard Fournette. A guy they said wouldn't be a third down back. A guy they said couldn't catch the ball is on pace for 53 targets, more than than Joe Mixon. It's it's indefensible. You're telling me you can't find a way, you can't find another weapon in the passing game. I don't know how to get the ball to Joe Mixon, and we don't have another weapon. I don't know. What do we do? You know, what does the scouting report say? Well, you stuck your neck out to draft this guy, right? You had to be very comfortable with what he was. You had to be very sure that he was going to add a, a, a premium talent to this offense, and now you can't find ways to use him. That's, that doesn't make any sense, Marvin. It really doesn't. I haven't seen him split out wide and run a, run a route yet, except for that preseason game where he got a, a wide receiver screen from splitting out wide. I haven't seen him be targeted or schemed open in, in the passing game yet. 
So don't give me this, that there's not room. There's room to almost double his usage if you include him more in the passing game. And, and until we have another weapon step up on the passing offense, don't tell me you can't find more ways to get Mixon involved. Agreed completely. He's Joe Goodberry. Follow his work on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. He writes for Bengals Wire, so make sure you check out that. There's a link on his bio on Twitter as well. Joe, I appreciate the time. Um, I, I think Bengals fans are disheartened all across the board. It's crazy to think what if they had given Joe Mixon the ball, especially on, real quick before I let you go, on the first drive of the third quarter, when you're down yeah. six, momentum's going towards Pittsburgh. Like, you go score a touchdown there, and who knows? Maybe your defense recovers some. Instead, they go three and out. Jeremy Hill gets a carry. And, <laughs> and Marvin made that comment also. He says, well, it's hard to get your running back the ball and carries when you're down by 12. You weren't down by 12 until five minutes left in the third quarter. Yeah. Uh, and you failed to use Mixon for those three drives that you had in between there, those three and outs that you had. Uh, the first play on you're talking about was an out route or a comeback route to Cody Core was missed. Second and 10, they get under center with a fullback with Jeremy Hill in the game. They run for zero. I don't know what you want me to tell you, Marvin. You guys aren't a third and long team, and you keep putting yourself in those positions because on second down you're giving the ball to Jeremy Hill. Uh, it has to change, and it has to change with how they run with Mixon, too. Mixon did not run with the quarterback under center one time at Oklahoma last year. Not once. 100% of his carries was out, were out of shotgun. The Bengals are using him about 65% of the time under center right now. You're not putting him in a position to succeed. So let's not blame the rookie a little bit, and let's start looking at the coaching, Marvin. On Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time. Thanks for joining me, and uh, we will talk next week. When the Bengals, they better, by the way, get the three and four. If they don't beat the Colts, <laughs> uh, yeah, I think people are gonna, yeah, there's gonna be there's gonna be some issues then. Yeah, they better, they better get it done Sunday against the Colts. That's Joe Goodberry. Make sure you check out a ton of stuff. He has got uh, something on LockedOnBengals.com on Twitter at Joe Goodberry. Great stuff from him as always. He joins us every single week for our weekly film review. On tomorrow's show, I'll be in the Bengals locker room. So you're going to get Bengals audio. We're going to continue this conversation. We're going to jump into a couple things Marvin has said over this week. Just a couple comments, different things that I think are worth playing, unless I get something amazing in the locker room tomorrow. Hopefully that happens. But ultimately, man, I think Joe Mixon's right, given the ball. Right? I'm on Twitter at James Rapine at Locked On Bengals. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Locked On Bengals podcast. We're on iTunes, the iHeartRadio app. Until tomorrow, thank you so much for listening. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first-round wild-card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. 
come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.